we do believe that your son alone is worthy of all of our praise. We come together to adore him. Father, we thank you that we can be together as brothers and sisters in Christ, starting off this new year in worship to you. What a great way to begin the year. Father, may our hearts be aligned to you. May uh, this gathering together be just a wonderful start to a great year of serving you, of glorifying you, of sharing you, of living and loving like Jesus so that others can see Jesus in us. Thank you for the gift of rain these last few days. Thank you for the gift of a new year. Be glorified in our worship together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to say thank you to those who are working behind the scenes and up here on the platform after, you know, a big night like last night and a busy weekend like last weekend. Just thank you guys for being here and for serving. And... Uh, I want to say thank you to Josh Green on the piano as he's been leading, and also then with uh, Marcus and Christy Klotz, husband and wife, leading together here this morning. Would you turn and just wave at someone and wish them a happy new year? Happy New Year. Glad to see you here uh, this morning. And this is a wonderful way to start our worship together, lifting up the name of Jesus. And I want to say welcome to those of you who are regularly a part of the Calvary family, but also extend a welcome to those who may be uh, new to us, visiting with us. If you're gathering with us uh, for the first time, or the first time in a long time, perhaps you're online and this is your first occasion to connect with us. We just want to say uh, Happy New Year and welcome to our worship here at Calvary. For all, you can just go to the uh, barcode or the QR code, I should say, on the armrest near you there. You can scan that to get our bulletin. You can get teaching notes to follow along with Pastor Brian in a few moments. He's got a great message on prayer. You're going to want to take notes. You can go there by just scanning the QR code. One of those links will be for the teaching notes. If you are new to us, either online or in person this weekend, we'd love to connect with you. There is a place there uh, in our bulletin and on that QR code where you can uh, just answer a few questions. Let us know that you're with us, and we'd just love to respond, and thank you for being with us this weekend in worship there. It just says connect with us. Click on that, and you can connect with us. We can pray for you about needs you might have. It's a great way to just make that connection between us as a church and you as you're visiting with us this weekend. And then uh, I want to just make sure we draw our attention to a couple of things that are coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, two weeks from now, on uh, January 15th, we have a marriage enrichment workshop with Rick and Karen Schertz. And uh, this workshop is going to be offered in both the 9 o'clock hour that Sunday morning and the 11 o'clock. If you come to the 9 for the workshop, you can attend worship at 11. If you come to the 11 for this marriage enrichment workshop, you can attend worship at the 9. And uh, the churches do a great job with a lot of expertise and background in, in uh, therapy and counseling of incorporating biblical principles and Christian values into uh, what they do in these workshops. And so um, the, the title of the workshop is Managing Emotions in Marriage. We've just come through the holidays and um, there are all, all kinds of emotions. Then just wait till the credit card bills come in a few weeks. There'll be a lot more emotions that we'll feel together in our families and in our marriages. But they're going to be talking about some very uh, uh, tangible principles and ways in which we handle emotions in marriage. That's coming up in two weeks. Then three weeks from now, we kick off a new round of our discipleship classes here at Calvary. We have the 101 through 401 level classes, and each of them has a, a distinct focus and purpose. But I want to say to you this morning that if you're newer to Calvary in the last several weeks or months, uh, the one we'd really encourage you to step into first is the 101 class, Discover Calvary. This is an opportunity for you to begin to belong more, to get connected to who we are, our history, 
the vision God has given us, our values, who we are, and what we believe doctrinally, and to really get connected with us in a deeper way. And so you'll want to go, again, you can do a scan of that QR code, or you can go to calvarywestlake.org and simply look for the link that connects you to our discipleship classes. The 201, 301, and 401 will kick off as well, and some of you have been a part of those. Take advantage of the next step for you in these discipleship classes. And if you're newer to us, that one-on-one class is a great way to get grounded. It's also a way to become a member here at Calvary. And so I'd encourage you to uh, pay attention to those classes and that opportunity to grow deeper in your walk with Jesus so you can live in love like Jesus more and more every day. Now, I just want to report we had a great uh, weekend of services last weekend, Christmas weekend, five services and uh, we had over 8,500 people attend one of those five services. That's a great number. In, uh, in just the last decade, that's the second highest attendance on Christmas Eve or Christmas weekend. And uh, so a lot of people got to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We got to celebrate the birth of Jesus together. So thank you to all who served and worked hard to make that a weekend where Jesus was clearly seen in every possible way. Then I want to give you an update on our Christmas offering. Uh, this offering is so important to us. We've been sharing this with you. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, just mentioning that about a quarter of all of our offerings come in in December. And uh, so that makes it very important for us in terms of our ministry on our campus, into our community, and around the world. This is how we'll be able to, through this offering, write a check to all of our ministry partners around the world in January for the entire year. And it supports so much of what we do here at Calvary. And many of you have been praying, many of you have been giving. Last weekend, as we reported on Christmas weekend, we weren't quite at 1.3 million of the $2.7 million goal for that year-end Christmas offering. And so it looked like a really steep hill. I have to say, I did a lot of praying because uh, those resources are so important in funding ministry to children and students and adults. And... uh, seemed a bit challenging, but boy, God really provided. And so last week I reported we had just under 1.3 million. uh, And uh, one week later, we're right there at the goal. We're at 2.61 million, uh, which means there's 83,000 to go. And often we get about that much that comes in in the mail that was put in the mail on December 31st and comes in and trickles in the first few days of the new year. So that is an incredible number. And we just praise God for his provision in such a wonderful way. And you know, as we start off each year talking about that number, I always think, man, that number is so huge. And for me personally, it's just a huge number. I think for most of us, it's, it's just so big. And yet, when God moves in all of our hearts, we pray about what we would give as a part of the church family. God provides through us as we give together and all of us giving together, we, we watch as God provides for our ministry as a church uh, for the honor and glory of the Lord. I want to say thank you for being willing to pray. Thank you for allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and prompt you in your giving. And we've had a few people today have said, oh, I, you know, after all we've been saying, people said, oh, I still meant to get something in. Well, as you give today to the offering at Calvary as we kick off this new year, you can help us finalize uh, that little bit left in that goal for our Christmas offering, but you can also help us get kick-started into the new year, into 2023, and I hope that as you prayed, maybe God prompted you to begin to be a regular giver at Calvary or make your gifts reoccurring so you can keep investing in the ministry of Calvary going forward. You can give, of course, at the boxes at the doors on your way out. They're the silver boxes. You can put cash or checks in those. They're giving kiosks in the lobby. You can also go to calvarywestlake.org slash give, and you can give online to the work of God here. But I, again, want to just stop and say thank you for letting God use you, because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, into our own families, into our own lives as individuals. And then as we corporately come together and pray about what God would have us give, and then we give as God moves us, God takes care of the needs. And we see the good news of Jesus Christ advanced as folks invest in God's kingdom right here through their local church at Calvary. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for being sensitive to the Lord and his work in your life. I want to just pause and pray, and then Pastor Brian's going to come and and really speak on on a very important subject for us in this new year of 2023. It's a huge focus for us to saturate this year in prayer. Would you just pray with me? Father, we pause to recognize your good hand in our lives as families, as individuals, in our lives as a church. So church family, Father, you've blessed us in so many ways. People who served last weekend, people give their their energy and their time. 
And even, Lord, in this Christmas season of giving, to give to your work and how you used so many people uh, to give in such a way that we were able to see you provide through us as you moved in us. Thank you for the Spirit's prompting in the hearts and lives of individuals. Thank you for your continued provision for us as families into this new year. And I pray for all of the individuals and families who are in this room and who are joining us online. I, I pray a special blessing for them in 2023. May this be a year when they lean in in their walk with you and they do develop a deeper love for God's word and they, they develop an even more compassionate heart for others like Jesus had. And, and even as we think as a congregation of of empowering the next generation. Father, as, as I have opportunity to lead forward and our elders and our pastors and all who serve in various ministries and lead in, in leadership within our congregation, I pray that you would use us to share the good news of Jesus with those who need Jesus. And not just in word, which is very important, Lord, but also in the way we carry ourselves, the way we love, the compassion and care we show to others. May others see the hope in our lives, in our homes, and in our church, not just in our community, but all around the world. Thank you for being such a good God. Thank you that we can lean on you and trust you no matter what. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Sean. I want to welcome those of you online, those of you in the room. If you have a Bible with you, <clears throat> I want to grab that right now. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, uh, we'll jump in in just a moment. Um, this is a wonderful, wonderful day we get to have here. Um, isn't it a great thing that we get to start the new year, January 1st, in the house of the Lord with the Lord's people? Isn't that great that we get to be together this morning? Um, this has not, this rhythm has not happened since 2016 um, when we had a, a Sunday morning that was January 1st, uh, and then obviously happening again here in 2022, but, but then here's what some of you might know or may not be aware of. Uh, because of how leap year is going to hit, we will not have a Sunday morning where we are gathered on January 1st again until the year 2033. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. So this is the only time this decade we get to do this, and, and I think that is a cool thing. Um, I, I am someone who adores uh, New Year's. Uh, and maybe, maybe you're like me, or maybe you're not like me, and praise God. But, but, but maybe you're like me, and you also love New Year's. It says in the scriptures uh, that God is going to do a new thing. He loves to do a new thing. And for me, New Year's has always felt like this fresh page, this fresh start for me. And, and I get that you can start a resolution or a new thing in September, right? There's nothing special about today. And yet there is something about us that's stirred, that something is new and something is happening here. And so it seems to me that every time the new year comes along, I'm trying to ask myself the question of what this year is going to be all about and what God is going to be doing. And here's the question that's rumbling around my mind this morning, and I want to submit to each of you to consider this morning, and it's simply this. What do you want 2023 to be remembered for? What do you want to remember this year for? Because as strange as it sounds on January 1st to say, there will actually come a time when 2023 is just a memory. It is a whole year, and yet it will be a memory you remember. It'll be a story you tell. And the question is, what story do you want to tell about this year? You know, there's certain years in my life I can point back to and remember how God moved or how something changed in my life that changed the trajectory of where I was going. The year was 2004. I was a sophomore in high school, and I had made commitment after commitment for years now of I'm going to read the Bible every day. And it had never really happened and never really come into place until January 1st of 2004. I made the decision I would read the Bible every day, and that decision has rattled throughout the rest of my life. It's shaped my life as I've continued with that practice since January 1st of 2004. I remember 2004 as the year when I fell in love with the Bible. And then fast forward to 2011, I had graduated college the year before. I was on staff here at Calvary and had to start actually managing money and finances of savings and retirement and taxes and budgeting and trying to figure out how to be an adult with my money. And so I remember 2011 as the year where I started figuring out how all of that was gonna go and set a pattern that I follow to this day. The year was 2019. I remember 2019 because the year before in 2018 I had turned 30. And then turning 30, I had looked in the mirror and realized very quickly that I was no longer 20 um, and that there were some changes that needed to take place. Um, and so I just remember January 1st of 2019 really stepping into a, a series of, of, of disciplines uh, all about taking care of my body, trying to eat a little healthier and actually exercise and really take care of my body. 2019 was the year that happened and it's continued to this day. 
See, there are certain years where God does a thing in and through our life, and it changes not just that year, but our entire future. And so here's my question for you. What do you want 2023 to be remembered for? What do you want to look back on this year and remember that God did in your life, in your family, and in our church? And if I could be so bold this morning, for everyone who's here, for everyone who's joining us online, let me ask this question. What if, what if 2023 was the year you took your prayer life to the next level? What if this was the year you look back on decades from now and go, that was the year, that was the time where I leaned into prayer like never before? What if you look back on this year and recognize that this was the year your prayer life went from okay to great, from anemic to outstanding? What if this was the year where God stirred you to prayer? I wanna suggest and recommend and submit that to you that on January 1st, 2023, that you would leave this place today making the decision that prayer is going to be a practice you put into place this year and you would bring your prayer life to the next level. That There are certain sermons that are very simple and I just wanna state from up front, my goal is that everyone who's here today, that everyone watching online, that all of us would leave this church service in, in just under an hour here, that we would leave this church service stirred to pray like never before and that we would start putting practices in place that allow us to take that prayer life to the next level. In order to talk about that today, I wanna look through the most famous prayer in the Bible. And the most famous prayer in the Bible is of course the Lord's Prayer. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches his disciples and teaches us how we are to pray. And here's what he says in Matthew chapter six and verse five, he simply says, and when you pray, when you pray, so, so here's what Jesus does right from the beginning. He makes this assumption, and the assumption is that his followers, his first followers, and us, that we would pray. In this chapter, he'll also say, when you give, he assumes we're gonna give. He says, when you fast, he assumes we're going to fast. And he says, when you pray, he assumes we're gonna pray. Now, when I talk about prayer, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and I found the most helpful way to explain it um, in the context of many of our lives um, is in the analogy to marriage. So so if you're married, you'll kind of get this, and everyone else will kind of understand it too, um, that there's really two types of communication that go on in marriage. The first is just kind of the chatting that happens throughout the day. It's the good mornings and the good nights and it's the have a great day at work. It's texting each other throughout the day to make sure to pick up some milk at the store or to see who's gonna pick up the kids. It's that informal communication that just happens throughout the course of a day or a week or a month. And that is a good, right, healthy thing for a marriage to have. But then at the same time in your marriage, there needs to be these times where you're able to just focus on one another. Whether it's a date night or a trip or just a time you carve out where you're just focused on one another eyeball to eyeball, really talking about the deep and meaningful things of your heart, of your family, and of your life. And here's what would be easy to observe. If either of these two things were missing, there would be a problem in your marriage. If all you ever did was have kind of the day-to-day kind of churn of conversation and chatting, but never had meaningful time to talk, something would be off in your marriage. But at the same time, if you got together for date night every Friday night and had a wonderful conversation, but didn't talk to your spouse the rest of the week, something would be off. Two, see, we need both when the context of a marriage relationship. And we need both when it comes to prayer. We need both these prayers. We pray to the Lord. We're just a good morning, God. Give me strength for the day. We pray before bed. We pray before we sit down for a meal. But we also need these times of prayer where we carve out time, 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, and just sit down and spend time alone with the Lord in prayer. And here's my observation. I wonder if you've seen this too. I think most Christians maybe even most of you, are really good at this kind of prayer and not so good at that one. Really good at praying before meals, really good at praying before bed. Maybe it's inconsistent, but it's a rhythm and it's a part of your life that you're praying throughout the week. But I think most Christians, and perhaps even you, would struggle to say that you are comfortable sitting down for an uninterrupted 20, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, and spending time with the Lord in prayer. And that's the kind of prayer I wanna talk about this morning to take your prayer life and mine to the next level. I believe we have to become comfortable with spending extended amounts of time in prayer before the Lord. And in fact, what I'll recommend to you this morning is that we would all consider how we might spend one hour per week, one hour per week in prayer. Again, these prayers where we're just talking to the Lord throughout the day are still happening. And yet there's this one hour that we carve out and say, this is my time alone with the Lord to be intimate with God and what he has to say to me. 
I wanna challenge us to grow in that. I wanna frame this sermon in this way. I wanna give you five pro tips. Five pro tips to pray for one hour every week. Five pro tips to build this into your life through the Lord's Prayer that as we read through this morning, my goal is to give you practical ways that you can spend an hour in prayer each and every week because I believe if you're able to do that, this will raise your prayer life to the next level here in 2023. Again, Jesus says, and when you pray, and then here he says this, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling on like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Like in other words, Jesus' first teaching is this. Don't pray in such a way that you're trying to impress other people, that you're trying to get accolades, that you're trying to get people to see how great you are at praying or, or how spiritual you are. Don't pray in that kind of way. Create space in your life. Notice it says, go to this place, be with your Father in secret. Create space where you're praying before the Lord and there's nothing but you and God communing together. In verse nine, it says this. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. So Jesus is gonna call us into prayer and the first thing he says is, okay, listen, here's how you should pray. And I think this is almost too simple, but, but, but we need to see it. Um, when Jesus is encouraging his followers and teaching them how to pray, the first thing he tells them to do is to pray. And that might sound silly, but it is actually different than what so many of us do when we want to grow in prayer. See, what a lot of us wanna do is, okay, I know I need to grow in prayer. Do you have a book for me? Do you have a sermon for me? Do you have a PDF I could download? Do you have an app I could put on my phone? Do you have any of those things? And listen, all of those things are good, right? Healthy things, I'm not down on any of them. But here's the simple and profound observation you need to make about your prayer life, and it's true for you and it's true for me, and it's simply this. That praying is the only way to get better at prayer. I went to seminary to learn that. Like, it was amazing. Like, praying is the only way we get better at prayer. And so sometimes we want insights of a new sermon or a new idea or a conference or a book. And again, great things. But you want to know how you grow in prayer? You pray. You want to know how you grow in setting aside an hour to pray once every single week and you actually build that time into your schedule? You do it. You pray. You don't look for more inspiration you start putting it into practice. See, I said this morning, we'll do five prayer pro tips to allow you to pray for one hour every week. Here's the first one. It's simply this, that you would put it on your calendar. That you would put it on your calendar. See, so one of the things I realized years ago as I was thinking about my own prayer life is how everything else important to me makes it on my calendar. I have dentist appointments and I have meetings with colleagues. I have trips. I have all kinds of things that are on my calendar. But when you look at my calendar, it's a reflection of what's important to me. And so what I've tried to do is actually put prayer times in my calendar. If you have a physical calendar that you have in your home and you want to pencil that in, write in prayer into your actual calendar. If you're like me and your calendar's on your phone, go into the app and actually put prayer into every single week. It can be five minutes, it can be 10 minutes, it can be an hour. But if you want to take prayer seriously and grow in it, if you want to prioritize it, we prioritize what's on our calendar, what's on our agenda for the day. I wanna encourage you to put prayer into your calendar. I wanna tell you one of the best ways to do that here as we launch this new year's, and that is to join in with hundreds of other people here from Calvary on our 2023 prayer initiative. If you don't know what's happening here at Calvary is that right now over 450 people are signed up to pray one hour per week. They've selected a time, say Tuesday at four o'clock or Monday at five or Saturday at three, and they take that time and they will pray 52 times this year, once per week, at that hour. As of right now, all 168 hours of the week are covered. So right now there is someone who is going to be praying for Calvary and for the ministry of our church into this world every single second of every single minute of every single hour of every single day of every single week of every single month of this year. It's a beautiful thing. In fact, yeah, how cool is that? This is an amazing thing. In fact, here's what's so cool. It's 11 a.m. right now, or a little past 11 a.m. Already there's been 11 people, or, or maybe more, because certain hours have many, many people in them, who have been praying. Like, while you were sleeping this morning, someone was awake praying for you. And I want to invite you to join in on that. My time is 10 o'clock on Monday nights. Here's why I selected 10 o'clock on Monday nights. By 10 p.m., Lord willing, my children are down to sleep, and Lord willing, the middle of the night wake-ups have not begun. 
That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to hit that window, right? And so I know that time works for me. And so 10 p.m. Monday nights, that's when I'm praying. I wanna invite you to lean in and to pray, to select a time to be part of what's happening here, to join hundreds of people who are praying. We'll send you an email when you sign up every single week to give you things to pray about, some tips on prayer, some ways you can lean in. But I wanna encourage you to sign up before you leave the church campus today. If you're here on campus, there's a display in our lobby. You can't miss it on the way out. Uh, And I wanna encourage you to grab a card, to write your name down. It's a simple process. It'll take you 30 seconds. But you'll do that in a way to sign up and to lean in with hundreds of people praying. And for those of you who are online right now, you can go to the front page of the Calvary website. There's a link where you can do it online. But I wanna encourage everyone, if you wanna take prayer seriously and prioritize it, you gotta put it on your calendar. And one of the best ways to put it on your calendar is to pick one hour that you will pray every week for 52 weeks in 2023 and see what God does as you prioritize what you say you value most. Again, Jesus begins the prayer. He says, this is how you should pray. And here's the first words. Verse nine, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And in just eight words, Jesus begins his prayer with the two postures we must have before our God when we come before him in prayer. So this is this beautiful thing. He begins the prayer by calling God Father. Like he's our dad. That's how we should approach him when it comes to prayer. He's a good father. Jesus doesn't look at God and say he's a distant deity who doesn't care about you. He's not some king who's unconcerned with what's going on down here. He's not some deist watchmaker who created the world and then took off for somewhere else. He is a father who cares about you cares about your life, knows what's going on, is filled with goodness and compassion toward his children. God looks at the father, Jesus talks about God and describes him as a father, our father in heaven. But then at the same time, he's also going to say, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name is another way of saying holy is your name. Let your name be known as holy throughout the earth. When we say that the name of the Lord is holy, we're saying a lot of things. But at a bare minimum, we're saying at least three things. And here are the three things we mean when we say that God is holy. We mean that he is utterly different. He is utterly different than us. I need us to know God is not a bigger, better version of you. God is not like you except smarter and more powerful. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. Sometimes when I get frustrated and I go, well, if I were God, I would do blank. Here's the truth. I'm not God and I'm nothing like him. He is utterly different. He is totally righteous meaning everything he does and says is right in and of itself. God is the essence of holiness. He is the essence of righteousness. When we say hallowed or holy is your name, we are declaring that he is righteous. And finally, when we say holy is your name, we are declaring that he is eternally glorified. He is the one to every knee which will bow. He is the one who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords above all things. So when we pray, our Father, we are talking to a God who loves us like a dad, who has compassion and intimacy with us. And yet when we pray, holy or hallowed is your name, we are praying to a God of infinite power and might who is holy above all things. And Jesus, in eight words, in the beginning of his prayer, describes God as both. And that's the posture we've got to have before our God. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying, our Father, yes, he is intimate with us, but we are also praying, holy is your name. He is infinitely powerful. And we bring these things together. We internalize these truths about our God when we pray. And here's what I want you to know. The way we internalize these precious truths, like our Father, holy is your name, about God is through a practice called meditation. Through a practice called meditation. The way I internalize truths, like God is both Father, but he is also holy, is through meditation. Meditation is the way we internalize these truths. Now, I say meditation, and I know that throws some of us off, because meditation is something that's kind of everywhere in our culture, and it usually doesn't seem attached to the Bible. But here's what I want you to see from Richard Foster, who writes the book Celebration of Discipline. He writes this on meditation. He says, whenever whenever the Christian idea of meditation is taken seriously, There are those who assume it is synonymous with the concept of meditation centered in Eastern religions. In reality, the two ideas stand worlds apart. Eastern meditation is an attempt to empty the mind. Christian meditation is an attempt to fill the mind. The idea is quite different. The ideas are quite different. See, when most of us hear meditation, what we hear is empty your mind, detach from reality, think about nothing. And I want you to know that that is not Christian biblical meditation. 
Christian biblical meditation is not about emptying your mind. It is about filling your mind with the truths of Scripture, with the reality of God and what he has to say. Christian meditation is not about emptying your mind. It is about filling your mind. And so here's the second prayer pro tip I want to offer to you as you go into this year. I want to invite you to practice what we would call meditative breath prayers or or breathing prayers. Meditative breath prayers are a way we fill our mind and meditate on scripture. And so let me give you an example. So in Matthew chapter six, what we just read says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here's how a breath prayer works. When you breathe in, you deliberately breathe in the words, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our father in heaven, and as you breathe out, hallowed be your name. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I know people who set timers for one minute or two minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes. I know people who do these prayers for an hour where they're just breathing in scripture and breathing out scripture. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or most famously with breath prayers, there's these words, Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me. So you take this scripture and you break it into two parts. You breathe it in and you breathe it out. Maybe you're nervous going into this next year, anxious about something going on in your life or in your family or this world. Maybe you would breathe in the prayer of Psalm chapter 23, verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or maybe you see something on the news or you're overwhelmed with what's going on in this world. You feel small and powerless against the forces that are up against you. And maybe you would pray the words of Psalm chapter 46. Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is God. Maybe at work, you're walking into a meeting that you know is gonna be contentious. You know that there's going to be some anger, some frustration, or some issues in the room you have to sort out. Maybe on your way in, as you walk to the meeting, you would just pray the words based on Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Or perhaps for you, you have fallen into sin. There's something you swore you'd never do again, an addiction, a habit, a pattern, a stronghold in your life that you swore you would give up, but it's back in your life. And you feel like God would never love you and God has abandoned you and God must hate you for what you've done. Would you pray the words of Romans chapter eight, breathe in and say, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. This is what it looks like to meditate on scripture. We use our breath and we breathe in scripture and we exhale scripture. We allow scripture to sink into our minds and our hearts and our bodies and our very being. Just the other day, I was with a college student who was back from school uh, and we were going for a little walk and he was just talking about life and things had gotten busy for him and overwhelming and it was hard for him to find time of peace and quiet. So as we're on the walk, we're talking about this and I said, well, there's bench. Let's go ahead and sit here. And so I sat down on the bench with him and we set a timer on my phone for five minutes Now, five minutes in the course of your life feels like nothing, but five minutes when you're sitting in complete silence feels like forever. And so there we are sitting on this bench. We set it for five minutes. You know what I just did during that time? Just went, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Do you know how much it settles your soul for five minutes to breathe in and breathe out scripture, to meditate on the truth of the word of God? So that's what I want to invite us toward. These meditative breath prayers where we pray in the scriptures, where we breathe in the scriptures, we inhale them and we exhale them. Remember the words of Psalm chapter one that says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, whose delight is in the Bible, who meditates on his law day and night. Do you want God's blessing over your life? Do you want his blessing over your family, over our church? Do you want God's blessing to flow? Man, it says to not walk in step with the wicked, but to be a person who meditates on the word of God day and night. I invite you toward these breath prayers. In verse 10, it says this. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the content of Jesus's prayer. He begins to pray that God's kingdom in heaven would make its way into this earth, that his will would be done on earth just as it is in heaven. That in heaven right now, everything is going exactly as how God would want it to be. 
And our prayer as followers of Jesus is that everything happening in heaven, exactly as God would want it to be, would happen here on earth. See, when we pray, here's what we're praying. We are praying that God's will would be done in our church or in our family, just as it is in heaven. Just as it is in heaven, in our family, that in our family, with our wife and our husband, our children, that God would make himself known in our family as it is in heaven. We're praying that God's will would be done in our church as it is in heaven. That this would be true of Calvary Community Church, that God's will would be done here in the way we love one another, love our neighbors, and love our God. We wanna pray that God's will would be done in our city as it is in heaven, that God's will would be done in the Conejo Valley as it is in heaven. We wanna pray that God's will would be done in the state of California as it is in heaven, that our prayer when we see what's going on in our state is not just us being angsty or angry, but rather praying, God, would your will be done in this state? Would your kingdom come in this state? Would you bring revival? Would you bring millions of people to faith in Jesus? We wanna pray that over our state. And then finally, we wanna pray that God's will would be done in the United States of America, just as it is in heaven. Like, you know one of the things I'm trying to discipline myself to do is not just see something on the news about what's going on in our government or in our nation and react with anger and resentment and just bitterness and just kind of react that way. What I'm trying to do is to take that and drag it before the Lord in prayer. To say, Lord, I see that and that is wrong and that is wicked and I wanna ask that your will would be done here in this nation as it is in heaven. But let's be the type of people Let's be the type of people who wanna pray this over our, our families, our church, our city, our state, and our nation. And for me, one of the most practical ways I've found to pray God's will be done and his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven is to do so in a space rather than just sitting there um, not really going anywhere. And so here, here's what I mean by that. I think one of the best ways for you to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will be done is for you to go on a prayer walk. Now, now a prayer walk is as simple as it sounds. You walk and you pray. You can't mess it up. It's so amazing. And, and here's what you would do. You would just walk out your front door in your neighborhood, wherever you live. And as you walk, you're just praying God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on everything you see, hear, or experience. So as you're walking past your neighbor's houses, you're praying for them and you're praying for their family, for their kids, for the situations in their lives. Maybe you're walking past a house and you don't know who lives there and you just start praying for that family. Maybe that you would build a relationship or, or that God would bless that home and that family. You walk past a school in your neighborhood and you pray for the faculty, for the staff, for the administration, for the student body. You pray God's protection over them. As you're walking past, maybe you see a fire station or a police station and you pray for our first responders that God would protect them and give them wisdom. Maybe you see a small business and you just pray that God would protect small business owners right now in this economy with everything that's going on. Everything you see, everything you hear, if you see a mom walking with her kids, you pray for the family. If you see an American flag, you pray for our nation. If you see someone driving past in their car and you don't know them, you pray for them anyway. They can't stop you. Like, you do that. You just pray as you go. There's no agenda other than anything I see, I'm gonna pray for. And I'm gonna pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is an excellent way for you to get out, get moving and pray. It's a wonderful pattern and a discipline in my life. It's one of the things I plan on doing during that 10 o'clock hour. I'll be walking around the neighborhood at night, uh, just praying over the community, praying over my neighborhood that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done. This is also an excellent one to do in pairs or groups uh, where you get together and just walk through and pray together for whatever you see and whatever happens. And here's the beautiful promise for your prayer walk. The beautiful promise for your prayer walk comes from 1 John 5, 14, where John writes, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. This is the confidence you have on your prayer walk, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He's gonna hear you. He's gonna listen. The great promise of God in the scriptures is that he inclines his ear toward us. And then you go, oh no, but it says only if it's according to his will. Well, if you're praying that God's kingdom would come and his will be done, that's God's will. And he will hear from heaven. And what a beautiful thought I have um, of just the hundreds and thousands of people who make up Calvary Community Church walking through their neighborhoods, bathing this community, this city, this place in prayer that God might move on our behalf. And Jesus goes on this way in verse 11. He says, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And this is a simple and yet profound ask that Jesus makes. He goes from his kingdom coming and his will be done to something, something so simple so simple as asking for enough bread to feed your family. Asking for the needs that God has, or that you have, asking God to meet those needs. 
Maybe somewhere along the way you picked up the idea that if you're really gonna pray, you don't pray for your own needs, you pray for other things, but Jesus is gonna contradict that. Jesus says, no, you can pray for your needs. You can pray for the needs of your family and of your church. You can pray for the people who are hurting. You can pray for your financial needs. You can pray for your emotional needs. You can pray for your relational and spiritual needs. It is a good, right thing to do so. And so traditionally what Christians do is we pray through prayer lists. And we have prayer lists here at the church that we pray through every week. There are staff members, um, many, many staff members who pray through every single prayer that comes in. So know this, if you ever submit a prayer to our church, it doesn't just kind of get tossed away. It is prayed over by many, many prayer groups who gather to pray over those lists. And those lists are good and I love them. But, but years ago, I, I learned a different way of praying that was a little different than a prayer list. Because a prayer list, I can kind of forget or get lost in it, but I've learned to pray in this way, and I want to recommend it to you, uh, and that would be to pray in what we call concentric circles. To pray in concentric circles. To pray that God would meet needs, uh, and to do so uh, in concentric circles. So I'll show you concentric circle. You get the idea, smaller circles radiating out to larger ones. Uh, and when I spend an hour in prayer, this is my absolute favorite way to spend an hour in prayer, is to pray in these concentric circles. Here's how it starts. The first person I pray for uh, when I'm praying in concentric circles is me. And the reason I start with me is because I know how much I need God. I know how sinful and broken and wicked I can be. I know how desperate I am for God. And so I begin with me, not because I'm the most important, but because I know that I am so desperate for God that if he doesn't show up, it doesn't really even, I can't, I can't even think to pray for others unless God is moving in my life. So I pray for my holiness. I pray God would make me like Jesus. I pray for strength and wisdom and courage. I look at my calendar and pray for any meetings I have or any things that are stressing me out. I pray over my finances and I pray over my strength and my life and my body. I pray over all of these things. And then here's the great thing about the concentric circle way of praying. Once I run out of things to pray about, I go to the next level. I pray for my wife. I'm married, so I pray for my wife, and I pray for her patience, and I pray for her peace. As uh, She's raising up our babies. Uh, I pray that God would bless her with ministry opportunities, that God would bless her uh, with a clear vision for, for what her uh, purpose is in this life and in this world and with our family. I pray for my wife. And then once I'm out of things to pray for my wife, I jump to the next level, and that's I pray for my three children. I pray for them by name and their specific things going on in their life or their body or in their days. I pray that they would come to know Jesus and walk with him as adults. I pray for their future spouses and I don't even know who they are yet. I'm just praying for my children. And then once I'm out of things to pray for for my children, I jump to my extended family. Now I'll be honest, this one takes me a long time. I got a lot of relatives. So I pray for each of them by name, my in-laws and my aunts and my uncles and my parents and brothers and, and their wives and everyone. I pray over my extended family. And then when I am out of things and a little bit exhausted praying for my extended family, I jump to the next group in my life and that's my small group. So if there's anyone outside of my biological family that I consider family in this world, it is my small group. I've been with them for 10 years. I love each of them dearly. I pray for them by name. I pray for the children of the men and women in that group, pray for the marriages in that group, pray God would bind us together in love and unity. I pray for us in my small group. After that, I pray for Calvary's leadership, pray for the elders and the pastors and Pastor Sean. Uh, I pray for our volunteers here, our staff, that the people leading forward in this church would have wisdom and courage that they would lead in a godly kind of way. Uh, I pray for Calvary's leadership, and once I'm done with that, I pray for the Calvary body, I pray for you. And I don't know every one of you by name, I just pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would shine upon you and that you'd, give his, you'd know his peace. I pray for those who are sick and ill and hurting and going through crisis. I pray that God would make us more like Jesus. And then after I'm done praying for Calvary, I pray for the Conejo Valley, I pray for other churches in the community, other good sister churches that are preaching the gospel and teaching the Bible. I pray God would move in our community and just bring revival to this space. I pray that there'd come a day where Jesus is the banner that flies over this valley. And then I go on to pray for the state of California, praying revival, praying God would do good things. I pray the same for the United States of America. I'm praying for our leaders. The scripture actually commands us to pray for those in leadership. And so I pray for them. And then finally, I pray for the world. I pray for the persecuted church in different nations. I pray for peace where there's war-torn regions. I pray that God's glory would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. See, this is how I pray through needs, this concentric circle. And maybe it sounds confusing to you, but for me, it has been the most fruitful way of doing prayer. I've learned I cannot get through this circle in less than an hour. It is a beautiful way to pray. I recommend it to you. Here's what it says in Ephesians 6.20. It says, pray in the spirit in all kinds of occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
big ones, little ones, things that seem too small or too silly. Sometimes we have things that seem so small in light of who God is. And yet here's what Jesus teaches. You can pray about having enough bread for your family. In the cosmic scale of everything, bread isn't the biggest deal. And yet Jesus says, go ahead and pray for that too. Why? We're gonna pray for all kinds of things. Jesus goes on in verse 12, he says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is how his prayer ends here. Maybe some of you grew up like I did in churches that would also pray for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever, amen. Now that's not actually in Matthew chapter six. It's a fine thing to pray and theologically sound. But Jesus ends his prayer with two things. He ends his prayer with debts, meaning that the sins we've committed, the trespasses against one another and against God. And he ends his prayer with temptation, the weakness and the vulnerability we have. And I think it's interesting to me that Jesus ends his prayer with these two things, debts and temptations. Because I think we need to recognize this, that the Lord's prayer ends with the recognition that we are weak and we're vulnerable. The Lord's prayer ends with a recognition that you and I are weak and you and I are vulnerable. And if that's the case, here's what we need to remember, that prayer is not a celebration of your strength, but a recognition of your weakness. Prayer is not a celebration of how strong or mighty or grand you are, but rather a recognition of how weak and vulnerable and in need of God, desperate for his presence, you and I actually are. The person who is filled with pride and arrogance will not be able to pray for very long, but the person who humbles themselves will be able to pray for a long, long time because they know that they need God. And so here's the final prayer pro tip. Number five, that you would humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. That going into your hour of prayer, you would say, Lord, I intend on humbling myself right now because the scriptures make a promise over and over again that if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, in due time, he will raise you up. What does it mean practically to humble myself in an hour of prayer? I think it means at least four things. Number one, you humble yourself with your words. Your words should involve when you are praying confession. Lord, here are the ways I've fallen short. Here are the places I haven't trusted you. Here's the sin that's going on in my life. Here are the ways that I've been selfish or prideful or lustful or arrogant. Here are the ways that I've not been a great husband, not been a great father, not been a great man of God, not been a great pastor. I'm confessing these things before the Lord. You confess with your words, and maybe one of the best way to use your words to humble yourself is to actually pray out loud. Now, here's what we know theologically. You pray in the quietness of your heart, God hears it. It totally counts. But here's the strange thing. There's no other conversation in our life that we have inside of our own heads, unless there's other things. But, you know, like we don't do that. And so sometimes what happens if, again, like me, um, I'm praying in the quietness of my mind, and my mind drifts to other things, or, or I fall asleep, or I pick up my phone, but when I'm praying out loud, it focuses my prayers. And so I invite you to do that when you're driving in the car or when you're in the shower or when you're home alone or when you're not home alone. Just see what happens, right? Like, but just start praying out loud. You humble yourself with your words. Number two, you humble yourself with your body. One of the ways we can change the posture of our heart in prayer is to change the posture of our body. And so I know people who pray and every time they pray, they hold their hands just open like this. Saying, Lord, I just wanna receive whatever you have for me. I know people who pray and their hands are raised in the air as a sign of surrender. God, whatever you have for my life, I'm in. There's people who pray on their knees every single day by their bedside. In fact, there are people who try to pray in such a way that their feet don't hit the floor first, their knees do. And for some of you, I don't recommend that physically. But, but, but the idea is beautiful, right? My knees hit the ground first. And it's a beautiful thing. I know people who pray flat on their face, just crying out to God. And what do we do? We posture our body in such a way that postures our heart. If you've never prayed on your knees, if you've never prayed on your face, if you've never prayed raising your hands in the air or holding your hands open, I encourage you to explore that as you learn to pray for extended periods of time. When you humble yourself before the Lord, he'll raise you up. Now, number three is you humble yourself through fasting. Um, fasting is this beautiful thing that's often connected with prayer and scripture. All of the major people in the Bible uh, fasted from Elijah to Moses to Jesus to Paul. Everyone fasts. And yet the irony is in the Western American church in the 21st century, fasting is almost unknown. And yet it is this beautiful tool to humble ourselves before the Lord. And when combined with prayer, it's something God uses to move powerfully in his people's lives. If you know nothing about fasting, we have some resources uh, on the sermon tab of the Calvary website. You can go there and select the series on fasting. Our young adult ministry on Thursday night, this Thursday, a couple days from now, will begin a 21 days of fasting um, time where everyone's invited to fast for some period during 21 days as we kick off this year. 
You can tune in online at 7 p.m. on Thursday night if you wanna watch a sermon on fasting that I'll be delivering to our young adult ministries. If you know nothing about it, I wanna encourage 2023 to be the year where you explore fasting as part of your prayer life. And then finally, you humble yourself with other people. You, you get in the room with other people and you pray. When we confess out loud, when we pray out loud, and we're asking God for help around other people, it is humbling at times. And yet it is good for us. I wanna encourage if you're a small group, um, so often what happens in the context of small group is this, uh, at least in my group, we get together and, and chat for a while. And then we do our Bible study or the curriculum or whatever we're working through that night. And then it's like three minutes toward the time we all have to go and get our babysitters home. Uh, and so we're trying to figure out how to wrap up and go, any prayer requests? And then we just pray real quick and move on. And there's nothing wrong with that because chatting is good and studying the word of God is great. And yet prayer kind of gets squeezed out. So maybe something you would experiment with in your group is to actually pray before you start anything else. To get together and allow that time of prayer to breathe and have room for that so you can pray before the very end. But whatever it is, I encourage you to get together with other believers and to pray this year as you grow in prayer yourself. I wanna remind you of the words that we find all throughout the scripture, this idea. But in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now this is a specific promise given to a specific people living in a specific land in the Old Testament. And yet the theme of when we humble ourselves, God responds to those prayers. When we humble ourselves, God raises us up, runs straight through the heart of scripture. Be a person in 2023 who humbles yourself because in due season, God will raise you up. And that is actually where we'll land today because that is the motivation for us to pray. The motivation for us to pray is that God will meet us there and God will reward us and God will raise us up. So, so here's what I know. When I give a sermon on prayer like this, there's a certain population online, in the room, all over this place um, who you know you should be praying and yet prayer isn't a regular part of your life and so the overwhelming emotion you are feeling right now is guilt and shame. Like I should be better at praying, but I'm not good at praying and I feel bad about this. And so guilt and shame is the feeling you're feeling right now. And here's what you need to know about Jesus and his prayer. Jesus does not motivate you with guilt and shame. He doesn't say, well, if you don't pray for an hour every week, you're a lousy disciple, so just go away. He doesn't say that. Because Jesus knows something we should all know, that guilt and shame are powerful short-term motivators, but terrible long-term solutions. Like if you feel guilt and shame over prayer, it may cause you to pray today, tomorrow, and Tuesday, maybe. But then it'll fall off. Guilt and shame never sustains. Yet how does Jesus encourage us to pray? Not with guilt and shame, but Jesus holds out something else as a motivation for us to pray. And the way Jesus motivates us to pray regularly, consistently in our lives is not shame and guilt, but rather with reward. With reward. See, this is what Jesus says. We'll go back to verse six in this text that we just read through. It says, but when you pray, Jesus says, go into your room, close your door, go pray to the Father. Spend an hour in prayer. Sign up for the 24 hours of prayer. Get alone with the Lord for an hour every week for 52 weeks of this year. And then pray to your Father who's unseen. Then it says, your Father who sees what is done in secret. These three words, if you have your Bible, underline it, highlight it, circle it. He will reward you. Not he might, not he could, not he'll think about it. He will reward you. So here's three remarkable things about prayer that Jesus teaches us. The first is that God hears our prayers. I mean, it's pretty wild that a billion people could be praying to him at once and he's like, I got this, I'm good. When I have two of my children clamoring for my attention at one time, it's overwhelming. But God can hear a billion of his children at once. God hears your prayers. Number two, God answers prayers. And I know there are men and women in this room who have prayed certain prayers for years or even decades. And you feel like God is not answering. And I understand that sometimes God delays in his answers. Sometimes God does things different. And that can cause deep angst. And yet the consistent witness of the scripture and the consistent witness of my life is that God answers prayers. I have seen parents pray for wayward children for years, even decades, and then they return to the family and to the faith. I have seen men and women who are sick beyond measure been healed. I have seen people who are in financial difficulty have God provide for them in miraculous kinds of ways. I have seen God respond to prayer, and I wanna say God hears your prayers, and he responds to them. And yet the final thing that Jesus teaches us in verse six here that's so stunning to me is this. It's not just that God hears me, it's not just that he answers me. 
It's that God rewards those who pray. He holds out reward and says, I will reward you. Like in other words, God is like, here's a reward. If you just go and pray, get some time alone with me and pray, not only will I hear you, not only will I respond and answer your prayer, but I'll also give you this reward. I'm gonna reward you in some meaningful kind of way. Now people ask me all the time, okay, what's this reward that God's gonna give us? And here's the actual truth of the text we just read. Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say the reward is like $20 off the next, he doesn't say that. But here's what I know. If Jesus is offering it, I'm in. Like I think about it this way. So um, in college, uh, I had a friend uh, and I was buddies with this guy and uh, his dad was like this really talented baker, like almost like pastry chef level guy. And so occasionally he'd have some extras and bring them to me and it was like outstanding. Like I loved it, it was cookies, it was croissants, it was all the carbs that I love and live for. Like I loved it. And then this one time, it was like Christmas time, and he said, hey, uh, my dad's putting together these boxes, like these Christmas cookie and like, like boxes of all these uh, pastries, and he has one for you. And I was like, oh, no way. And so I hear this, and you know what I didn't do? I saw the box, and I didn't ask, well, what's in this box? What, are we talking cookies? Are we talking croissants? What are we looking at here? I didn't wonder what was in the box. Here's what I knew. If it's a gift from him, I know it's going to be good. If he's making it, I know it's going to be outstanding. If he's giving it to me, I don't have to worry about what the gift is. I know it's going to be awesome. And you know the same is true of your God. If it's a gift from him, you know it's gonna be good. If it's a reward from God, you know it's gonna be worth it. That I believe in glory, there will never be a moment where we look back on prayer and say that was wasted time. That there is a reward, there is a gift, there is something God offers for those of us who will pray. That's the motivation. The motivation is God says, spend time alone with me. I will hear you, I will respond to you, and I will reward you with something much better than you could possibly imagine. So here's the question that we started with, the question I'll end with. What if 2023 was the year you took your prayer life to the next level? What if this was the year you learned to spend an hour alone with God? What if this was the year you leaned in with our 24 hours of prayer, you signed up for one hour per week, 52 weeks, and that changed the trajectory of your life on prayer? There is a reward that God holds out for it. And the only thing standing in between you and that reward is you taking time to pray. Jesus says he will reward you. And that's what I wanna offer this morning. That's what I wanna hold out to you this morning. That's what I want for me this morning. I wanna experience the reward of God and the blessing of God and the goodness of God over my life and my family and our church. And so what if, what if 2023 was the year you took your prayer life to the next level? What if this was the year you fell in love with prayer and in so doing, fell in love with God. So here's how we're gonna wrap up. Um, it would be kind of strange to do a sermon on prayer and then just kind of like do a quick prayer and move on out of here. Um, and so what we're gonna do is this. Um, we're gonna create about 60 seconds of time um, where our, our band's gonna come out and get ready for a final song that we'll all stand and sing together in a moment. But right now, um, I wanna invite you to 60 seconds of prayer before the Lord. Um, maybe for you, you've never prayed. And do you know what's so cool? There's a God in heaven, the creator of the universe, who will listen to you right now in this moment. Maybe for you, you're, you've prayed in the past, but you really haven't spent a significant time of prayer in years or months, and it's just kind of slipped, and maybe it's just a moment to say, God, I just need to turn from that, repent from that, and I wanna be someone who prays like never before in 2023. Hey, wherever you're at in this room, or those of you watching online, wherever you're on your couch or wherever you're at right now, right now, Let's spend 60 seconds of our life before our creator, submitting and dedicating this year of prayer before him. Let's pray. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today, this day, our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, we need you, we call out to you, and we ask that this year would be a year of prayer for our church, for our families, for each of us as followers of you. God, we pray you would move in power and create in us a desire to spend time alone with you in prayer. So God, grow us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And may the reward we experience be beyond all imagining or reckoning. May we know the goodness of God in this year. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said real loud, amen. Amen. Well, once more, on your way out today, I want to encourage you to stop by our 24 hours of prayer wall. Pick up one of those hours that you'll pray 52 times. For those of you online, you can do it on the front page of the Calvary website uh, and join hundreds of people. I believe 500 or more people will be involved in this time of prayer. Uh, and then finally, we believe here at Calvary that a grateful people are giving people. Uh, and so as we are grateful for God listening to us in prayer, rewarding us, meeting us, I uh, want to encourage you to give, as Pastor Sean mentioned earlier, uh, that we would continue forward in the great ministry that's happening here. There's boxes in the lobby. There's, uh, there's a giving station out there. You can hit the QR code on your seat. Invite you to do that uh, as we come before the Lord in 2023 and kick off uh, what promises to be an amazing year. So would you stand with me right now? We're going to sing one final song.